0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown.
1: Create your life. Crée ta propre vie.
0: Create your life. life.
1: Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. skip your lever. You better create your, <laughs> create, your you. create your life. Create your life. Create la Create your life. Create your life.
0: Beautiful people, happy, happy Sunday. This is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and it is a great day. A great day to be alive. Great day to be here, and a great day to create your life. Uh, Before we bring on our amazing guest, uh, I want to catch up with you. Let's catch up. Uh, Over the last week, I had the opportunity to go out to Houston and enjoy the Black Enterprise Conference. And at the Black Enterprise Conference. Uh, actually let me take it a couple steps back I was unsure whether or not I wanted to go and I decided to at the last minute you know with some encouragement from my friends and it was actually one of the best conferences and best experiences that I've actually uh, had the opportunity to have one of the the interesting things is, is as I've went to a lot of conferences and have spoken at conferences and have attended as well I've learned that conferences are more so about the networking you know if you go into a good session then that's cool, you know, you get a a bit of good information, but it's really about the people that you meet and having that opportunity to meet some really amazing people and actually come away with some different opportunities. So we I recruited maybe all of about 10 potential guests as well as had the opportunity to interview um, Matthew Knowles, who's Beyonce's dad. And then also we are now working on a big opportunity uh, between the Create Your Life series here in New York and in Houston. I can't tell you all of the details about it, but uh, just know and trust that we have some big things uh cooking and popping and so you know that's that's about the size of it I also had the opportunity to spend some time with my mentor big brother Raphael Moffitt uh see some of my fraternity brothers and really uh take in the scenery man I mean Houston was very tempting you know it, it was seemed like easy living like it, it might be nice to go ahead and uh and live there and so I was definitely happy for that and happy about that opportunity so, uh, beautiful people, when I talk about, you know, having being happy and having an opportunity to do something and, you know, live events. Oh, matter of fact, speaking about live events, we have our live event coming up June 21st here in New York City. It's called Ambition, How to Start, Survive, and Sustain Your Career. That will be starting on June 21st, again, from 6 to 9 p.m. We work Harlem on 126th Street. So, beautiful people, make sure that you are there. You can RSVP by going to CYLSeries.Eventbrite.com. So, make sure that you RSVP. We got 120 tickets. There's going to be our free cupcakes, and we also have um, spirit sponsors. So, definitely want you to come, and the event is 100% free. We got great panelists. We have uh, Tim Wanish, who actually was an artist for Marvel. We have Catherine Hurley, who's general counsel at MakerBot. We have Evita Robinson, who is the CEO of No Madness Travel Tribe. And we have Chris Canty, who for- was a former guest here, also NFL. Uh, player and we also have jessica castro who has had a 20-year dancing career and has been in multiple movies and has done so much on different sets so beautiful people please trust and believe that we have a great event for you and when i'm talking about live events um i also want to talk about this guest that we have who's about to jump on the line with us i actually had the opportunity to see this brother live while he was here on his tour Uh, In New York City at Baruch College And he was on the How About That Tour So, uh, Brother Blanchard, Sean Blanchard Please say hello to the Create Your Life Series family
2: Hello, hello, it's a pleasure to be here
0: Yes, man, Sean, you know, live events Bro, I saw you do your thing in person, man Uh, Amazing uh, presentation about mentorship Which is something that you know a lot about Which is something that you have done And have been doing, currently doing, rather Oh, so, Sean, man, uh, before we get all the way into the how about that tour, you, after hearing you speak, I didn't realize that we had so many similarities, man, of coming from humble beginnings. So I don't want to spill all the beans about your humble beginnings, man. Please tell the Create Your Life family about where it is that you came from uh, in the city of Detroit.
2: Oh, absolutely. And what's funny, Kev, is man, our similarities are, are canning. It's it's pretty interesting, so. I'm going to tell my humble beginnings, but I'll call them our humble beginnings in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But nevertheless, yeah, you know, I was born in Detroit, born and raised in Detroit. And unfortunately, I was born with drugs in my system. And um, my father wasn't around. I maybe saw him maybe once a year uh, throughout my childhood and until he passed on when I was 14 years old. But I also have seven brothers. And of my seven brothers, three of them are unfortunately deceased and three of them. I've been incarcerated, in which one of those that is, is currently incarcerated has a lifetime sentence, and that's my older brother. He also has 11 children, which is pretty interesting, too.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so it's interesting because he's um, considered allegedly one of Detroit's um, most notorious drug lords. Um, I notice I did say allegedly, um, mm-hmm. but we'll leave that part there. But just growing up, I just... On the west side of Detroit, I went to do McKenzie High School, which had a 40% graduation rate while I was there. Uh, we came in. There was about 400 of us freshman year, and my senior year was about 115 of us that actually graduated. And that's wow. not even 40%, but in general it was typically 40%. But that yeah, was the type of upbringing I had, man, and I was just really surrounded and really captivated by a lot of black market schemes uh, because I saw a lot of people that were, really entrepreneurs um, that I was attracted to, whether it be the guys that sold drugs right. or whether it be my mom that was a professional shoplifted or whatever type of bank scams or jewelry scams, whatever it was. I wanted some, some parts in it, but like, mm-hmm. that was pretty much how I came up.
0: Yeah. So, Sean, uh, recently on Mother's Day you had posted a picture of you kissing your mom on the cheek uh, with the caption saying uh, that she was an entrepreneur even before the term was cool.
2: Uh, can you mm-hmm. tell
0: us more about that and, you know, how your mom's uh, – did your mom's entrepreneur skills prompt you to be an entrepreneur? How did that experience go?
2: You know, great question, great question. And, that, you know, a lot of times um, my mom, she she's definitely an entrepreneur. She was what you call a booster. And mm. she basically stole the clothes and sold them for a third of the price. And they were high-end clothing, so they would be the scotters and the St. Johns and whatnot. Uh, very high-end, mm-hmm. and so she was a, a high-end lady with a high-end mindset, and so <clears throat> her clientele was was celebrities, and it was just interesting to see her work, and interesting to see her, the way she would have her catalog orders, and she didn't even she didn't even come across as if it was some type of black market scheme or anything illegal. You would have thought that she had Jacobson as a client of hers, and she was doing home visits and wholesales, so <laughs> I saw her <laughs> You so know, I would see her doing this. I would go along with her. I would go into the stores. I would be her decoy. I knew what was going on because I was taught young about the game and what was going on with it. Right. But um, I just saw that my mom would wear furs and she had Cadillacs and Lincolns and three to four bedroom homes. And she took care of herself and she would even take care of uh, family members through uh, illegal meetings. Right. And I thought that was pretty interesting.
0: Okay. And so with that, how did you come to? Because you were primarily raised by your grandparents, right?
2: That's right. So how I did you come into that transition
0: uh, of moving with your grandparents versus uh, you know staying with your mom in these luxury homes and you know with the caddies and the and uh, the fur coats?
2: Right. You know. So I was uh, you know about three weeks old when I went with my grandparents, and so okay. and I was on the west side of Detroit. My mom always stayed in the, in or outside Detroit and the little suburbs outside or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I would go with my mom you know coming up I didn't see her too often and I always thought that she was just neglecting or didn't care but there were times where she was just simply in jail and I just um, didn't know it because they would just tell me she wasn't around. and when she was out she, would, she actually did her part she wanted me to be around and she wanted to come and get me but I just didn't want to be around her it was very interesting so I may spend a summer here with her or you know, a week a holiday over here with her, and I I actually hated all of it, but um, I respected her craft, and I respected the woman that she was. It's just, she just
0: wasn't one of my favorite people in the world. Yeah. And so you you say that you didn't want to go. Was this because you felt like a sense of loyalty to your grandparents, or was it because you just felt more comfortable in that space? What was the reasoning why you didn't want to go and be around uh, your biological mom?
2: You know what? I think that a lot of people have this, Sense of abandonment that they go through when they're not around their biological parents, but that's not something that I actually ever encountered. I actually felt like I had love with my grandparents. I would take them as mother and father, and anyone else that was coming in trying to play a part to kick rocks.
1: Mm. So, oh,
2: so when she came around, it was like, oh, here you go, like go die away. <laughs> oh, We don't even want you here. So,
0: right, that's pretty much what it was. Nah, man, interesting, you know, that you say that I I had the same feeling, you know, I mm-hmm. for me, you know, with with my different foster homes and foster families and stuff like when my biological uh, mom would try to come around, you know, after a while, I was kind of like, okay, well, you know, I don't really see you. So you don't want me. I'm okay. You know, like, mm-hmm. don't don't come around like I don't want to go on any visits or anything like that. So growing up in Detroit, you were with your grand with your grandparents and, and you're living there uh, for a period of time. How was the environment? What was a young Sean like? Because I know you had certain ambitions to be, you know, a drug lord and some other things. Like, how was that shaping? You know, how did your... How did that come about?
2: Yeah, so, you know, I had... um, When I was 11 years old, man, that's when my my brother, Mike, actually taught me how to cut crack. And I thought it was um, so cool. And he wanted to teach me because I was so inquisitive. And so he rather that I did it with him than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And... So, my ambitions were to be a drug lord. I saw him in one summer when I was 11, ride his bike up and down the street. And by the end of the summer, he had a Camaro. And I said, Man, it came from all seven of these little white Skittles and that people call crack. And I said, Man, (laughs) I got to get my hands on some of these Skittles because people paying $20 for one Skittle, that's a Skittle business I want to be in.
0: Right. You're saying Skittles like the candy, right?
2: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That was the the size of it. Um, If not smaller, that went for twenty dollars. So I felt like I just I had to be in this business. I I saw what my brother was able to do with it, and I wanted a piece of it. Mm -hmm. So doing that, I wanted to sell dope, and I saw one of my other brothers um, that was actually rapping, and he had a record label. Mm -hmm. I said, "Man, I want to rap. I want to sell dope. The clothes thing, eh?" uh, I like clothes. I'm a fashion guy. Um, These little things that are enabling me to have nice things, but eh, not too much into stealing the clothes. I'd rather do the, the selling the dope and, and also making sure that I can wrap, uh, and that's, when, that's the direction I want to go in.
0: Okay, so right now you can spit a high 16 on a low.
2: Man, you know what? On a, on a low, I, I was never good. It was something <laughs> I was trying to do that i never had any business doing. <laughs> so I said, I, I'll sit bars, but I spit life bars. I can go ahead and speak the life into something right. real
0: quick. Right. A truth teller. That's what I call it, man. Again, similarities between me and you, man. When I was a teenager, I vowed never to be a rapper. Not because I couldn't do it, <laughs> just because I just thought that it wasn't, you know what I mean? Everybody was trying to do it, so I was like, I'm cool. Everybody. I'm chilling. So, you you saw your brother. He was doing this thing. Was there at any any point or any sign where you intuitively were like, you know what, this might not be the life for me?
2: Well, you know what, that's a good segue into knowing that by the time I turned 14, the same brother that actually taught me how to sell and cut crack actually was killed in a drug transaction, Mm. and he had he also had a twin who was already dead, and it was. A few weeks later that my dad died, and my dad died because he drank too much. And then a few months later, another one of my brothers was shot nine times by the police. Um, and with that, it was just a matter of, you know, I don't think I want any parts of any type of illegal activity, not in the way that they were doing it. So right. instead of stop doing it altogether, mm-hmm. I expanded illegal activity beyond drugs. And if I was going to sell drugs, I was going to do it in a more clever manner. So I figured I just had to be smarter than them, not necessarily be smart enough to stop what I was doing.
0: So when you said you, you expanded past that, how, how did that, what was the expansion like?
2: The expansion was, you know, what, I thought I needed more, some more activities, some multiple streams of income. Uh-huh. <laughs> I figured the the average millionaire has seven streams, I should get my streams up and i be on my way. So I delved into different bank scams, different daily scams, mm-hmm. um, and it was a matter of I was going to steal, still um, sell weed, weed, mm-hmm. drug, weed, crack alone, smell weed. But even if I sold weed, I was going to do it at work. And I was going to do it at work while um, only bring it to work on payday so that I can collect everyone's check and mine and go from there. Wow. So I figured I would outsmart or outwit the game. Because at the same time while I'm doing all these things, Kev, the interesting thing was I was actually uh, – also class treasurer on the debate team, uh, you know, and just making sure I had always had above a 3.0 and actually above a 3.5 again, and uh, I was actually doing really well in school, but after school I had other activities in mind.
1: Mm.
0: Man, Sean, you, you out here enterprising, bro. <laughs> At
2: and, least I thought I was.
0: Right, and, you know, I think one of the most interesting thing, things is, is that, you know, as you know, being a mentor specialist – And me having been mentored and also mentoring as well is that a lot of times people have a lot of different talents. It's just a matter of, you know, the direction that the energy is being put in. You know what I mean? Where do we want this person to, you know, to put their energy? And so, like you said, you know, you had all of you were treasurer. You obviously knew how to deal with money. You know, you were uh, on a debate team. So you obviously knew how to talk, you know, talk well, talk that talk. And then, of course, you know, your GPA means that you know how to handle multiple responsibilities. and You have a plethora of knowledge and skill set to get things done. Mm-hmm. Um, who was that person or some of those persons who helped you to redirect your energy and your skill set uh, to become something positive in order to create a better future for yourself?
2: A great, great question. So I had this beautiful counselor, and um, she was, I was so attracted to her. I thought she was the most beautiful woman in the world, and her name was Miss Champion. And she believed in me, and she believed in me at a point where I really needed her. At the time, my grandmother that raised me was gone, my father was gone, my oldest brother was in prison, my other brother, uh, who taught me how to cut, crack, and his twins were both dead, and my mom, she just wasn't really around, so at that point, I'm in high school, even raising my younger brother, and I really needed some positive guidance, and that's when uh, a counselor, my mother, her name is Ms. Champion, she stepped in and didn't even know what she was stepping into, really. Um, I kind of just took all the energy she was giving and saw that and stepped in, but she was really being herself, just being a mentor, being a positive, beautiful person she was.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: she just told me what I was as far as being a smart young man, and she also told me I was handsome, too. So I believed <laughs> all that. <laughs> you know, I said, you know, I would just do whatever she told me, and she encouraged me, especially at a time where I needed the proper encouragement. Not the encouragement that was in the street, but the encouragement that was in school.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay, and so what did Miss Champion help you accomplish? You know, were there any milestones or anything like that?
2: Yeah, so first off, she was an AKA, and I thought that meant also known as. I had no clue uh, <laughs> what that meant. Um, I didn't know anything about college like that. Okay. But she also went to the University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. She told me I was going to be a Michigan man. And let's be clear, Michigan is the number one public university in America, and the average student has a 3.9 and uh, 32 on the ACT. Wow. And so, you know, which I didn't know that. I was just like, oh, okay, you went to college? Yeah, yeah. They, a lot of people go to college. i think seen a different world. So, you know, Dwayne Wayne and them, they go to college. That's cool. But um, I never really envisioned myself there mm-hmm. until she told me that I could go. And she told me that I was going to go to Michigan. I didn't even realize what it was until – I was fortunate enough with her pushing to actually be accepted to the University of yeah. Michigan. And when okay. I got there, man, it was just, it was a completely different world. And I really understood what another level of excellence was with being surrounded by these people who had multiple streams of motivation, multiple streams of income. Um, and just, they had stable homes. They, it was just another realm of living that I didn't really know was just beyond television. And you
0: know what's funny, Sean? I got to take a couple steps back, you know, something that you said that I thought was really, really, no, that was really, really important, and I, I want you to give more insight if you can. With Miss Champion, did she, like, literally walk you through the college application process or the scholarship process, the FAFSA? Did she do that, you know, she with sure you?
2: She sure did. She sure did because I, I had no clue. I didn't know what any of that was. She walked me through the application process. She put me through on-site admissions where I met with the counselors, mm-hmm. and I actually – um Talked to the admission counselors and actually wrote my personal statement right in front of them, and she assisted me all throughout the way. Financial aid, everything. She was right there for me because who else was going to do it? I mean, even though I had some people that may have loved me at home, right. a lot of them just worked at the plant. They didn't know about any of that, right. so I had to. I'm glad I had her to help me out with that piece.
0: Are you still in contact with Miss Champion?
2: Absolutely, absolutely,
0: dude. You. we parallel so much bro like Miss Wilson you know who was my uh, ninth grade photography teacher but also um, became the head of the Academic Resource Center same story man she literally walked me through the entire process and taught me that skill (laughs) set yeah bro like college scholarship applications paid for some of my applications you know the FAFSA all of that and even Mm -hmm. still to this day you know what I mean we text I'm going to her daughter's wedding in Paris in September like you know what I mean it's just there are amazing Absolutely. people who uh, who exist, man, and who really help us to get that that jump start, uh in life. You know, who see the potential in us.
2: You um, know what? Tev? That makes me think about uh, the statistic that says that 90% of people who are mentored when they're young grow mm-hmm. to become mentors. Right, man. It's it's our duty to make sure that we pay it pay it forward because of what's already been done for us.
0: Right, and you know, speaking of paying it forward, something else that you said that I thought was really, really cool, man. You got two two terms that I love. One is when you talked about friend tour. Mm-hmm. Uh in your presentation I heard that. That's something that will never leave me. I've actually said it before. I mean I repeated you and was like my friend Sean said, you know, we're all friend tours to each other, this, that, and other. But you also just said something, you said multiple streams of income, which everybody always hears. But you people don't really touch on multiple streams of motivation. That's right. And so, That's man, right. please uh, describe, you know, what that means in its totality for you.
2: Well, you know, when I think we, a lot of times people are always, I don't know why it's just way, like here, but people seem to be always focused on a singular mode of having something. They think that, oh, my parents are supposed to give me this.
1: Mm-hmm. Or
2: they think that, you know, I'm supposed to grow up and have this amazing one job. You know, we're supposed to have multiple streams of income and multiple streams of motivation, and that can make sure that every piece of our day and every piece of our endeavors, we always have things that we can plug into to keep us going because sometimes some streams of motivation aren't strong enough to push us over the hump of whatever we're doing, but we need Mm -hmm. to tap into more of those. So when we talk about that, I even, in my book, I talk a lot about informal mentorship, which are multiple streams of motivation, and even having mentors, are streams of motivation, too. And that boils down to what are you reading, what are you watching, uh, what are you listening to, uh, what are your social groups that you're into, all these things of that nature, what tribal-based church or what type of spiritual channels are you plugged into or walk the faith, whatever you call it, what type of hobbies. All these things are multiple streams of motivation that we have to tap into to take our lives to the next level because sometimes we can burn out certain channels, mm-hmm. we need to make sure that we turn on others to really keep us going.
0: Wow. Amazing, man. Amazing. Speaking of, you said your book. Your book is called How About That for a Crack Baby.
2: That's right. Keys to Mentorship
0: and Success. Keys to Mentorship That's and Success. It's been right. out for a year now. How has, right. how has the experience of being a published author uh, been for
1: you?
2: Man, you know what? I got to say it's been a blessing. And I'll say it's a blessing because I've actually um, I created a publishing company -hmm. Which I published the company through, published the book through. And it's been a blessing to be able to um, have not only just the uh, multiple strings of motivation that I like to take in, Mm -hmm. but it's been another space for me to have multiple strings of impact. So I can go and I can talk, but what else can I do? I like to make sure that I can provide you with my book, I like to make sure that I can provide someone with a custom suit from a custom soup company I'm a co-owner of, mm-hmm. I like to make sure that there's multiple streams of impact, and being a book publisher and having a published book, it just gives you the credibility, it gives you uh, a way to make sure that you can reach people um, in a way that your speech can travel with them, so okay. I, I love it, man, it's it's a blessing, and I plan definitely plan on uh, writing more books and signing more authors.
1: Hi, I'm Diane. I have a daughter, Nikki, and she's a senior at high school. She just got accepted for early decision into college. Prior to taking Kevin's program, we were pretty overwhelmed because her college debt after her merit scholarships looks like it's going to be about $150,000 in four years. Feeling pretty overwhelmed about that
0: $150,000 potential debt, I decided to enroll in Kevin's debt-free college academy full course program. And I have to say the value for the money uh, for what we got out of the program was absolutely
1: amazing. Kevin takes you step by step with many, many different tips and many different strategies for not only the student, but for us as
0: parents, for our student, things that we can do to really help save money and prepare. If you or your child are looking to save money on college costs, sign up for Debt College Academy today at DebtFreeCollegeAcademy.com using coupon code FREE COLLEGE. Before we left, you know, Sean, we were talking about uh, you, man, and you know your evolution of becoming the person that you are. And I just want to personally speak on, You know, when I first met you, bro, I believe you were getting your master's degree. You were teaching at a school in the Bronx. And uh, I had the opportunity to meet you. I was we were at a um, at a at a party for black people in publishing. And we were introduced by Janelle, who is actually an agent for book, uh, a book agent uh, who's a mentee of my mentor. And she introduced you and I together. It was like, oh, Yo, you guys got some things in common? You should talk. And you and I, we got to chopping it up, man. Come to find out, you literally were working side-by-side at your school with my college, former college roommate, Kofi. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out mm-hmm. to Kofi. And then, man, you just kept grinding, man. And I just see this evolution in you. And you were also mentoring a young man back then. And what? I want you to, if you can speak on your experience, you know, how that young man came into your mentorship and where you have helped him uh, to become, wh- who you have helped him to become as a result of your mentorship.
2: Yeah, you know, and um, the beautiful thing about that time, even with your your former roommate, Kofi, Kofi and I created a program, a mentor program called mm-hmm. Men in Majesty. Mm-hmm. And we would take young men, that were from all over, there, all over New York City, particularly in the South Bronx. And we would make sure that we gave them a fraternal experience and really expand their horizons. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I did was I had the fortunate opportunity to take uh, legal guardianship of one young man. And he came to me, it was like just into a, a very interesting lifestyle. And so his grandparents had asked me to take him at the time, At the time I am 27 years old, I'm like, man, you want me to take a kid that's like 15, 16? Uh, But um, I I definitely uh, said that I would do it, and by the time we finished, when he was graduating from high school, he was a stand-class president. Um, He had about a 3.8 GPA, 29 ACT. Wow. He was accepted to every college he applied to with a full ride to Morehouse and the University of Michigan.
1: Wow.
2: And we're, yeah, and you know, so but the thing the thing was, you know, the, the reason I even got into the whole books and the whole book concept is because a book company actually called me and asked me to write a book just from being in the papers because of that experience, and that's also how I came to actually meet you with Jamil because of that experience taking place.
0: Right. So, Sean, man, just like, you know, it happened for me, just like it happened uh, for you, you know, with a mentor coming in and changing our life, as you did for this young man, can you speak a little bit about where he was when, when you started with him, because, you know, if he graduated a class president at 3.8 as well, I don't think people's grandparents would be like, can you take my grandson if he's, you know, on that track? So can you talk a little bit about that? And, you know, what was going through your head at 27 years old? You know, I, I'm in my thirties now and I don't have no kids, you know, because I'm, I don't feel like I'm responsible enough. So what was going through (laughs) your mind, man? How did you know to take on that experience? And where was this young man at when you first met him, you know, in comparison to where you brought him to?
2: You know what he was he was actually was caught selling selling weed, so he was selling weed, which was something that the family was not proud of at all mm-hmm. um, smoking weed as well, he was also taking cars at night and enjoy riding around and he was actually a smart kid, but he was just misguided
1: mm-hmm. so he
2: was his focus was completely off, and so they were just like you know they didn't know what to do with them, you know they were just like at a point where he's just not necessarily living up to his potential, and they were afraid that they were going to lose him uh, completely to the dark side of life. Mm-hmm. And so that's when they said that he was going to go to boarding school or be sent somewhere, and then they said, you know, one other option would be is if he went with you. And I, I mentored him while I was an undergrad, so he was great then. So they figured, you know, you're doing this mentoring program, you've evolved since then, we know that he would do really great with you. And that was just it was huge. I mean, I talked to some of my mentors about taking on that type of challenge type of body of work. I and mean, something that I had to do as a mentor was to make sure that I activated my network because I don't believe that any one mentor is one size fits all for anyone. But when we activate our mentors and we right. have all these other people around us that mm-hmm. we can place into their lives and make sure that we surround them,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Um, that's when we can actually take things to the next level, and that's how I actually got him to pretty much coming to the
0: fold of being able to embrace everything that I was given. And w- Sean, just real quick, uh, I mean that's an amazing thing to have accomplished and to seeing yourself, and definitely reaching out to your mentors. Um, you know, I'm sure they gave you a mixed bag of of advice, but you ultimately went with your gut. But you mm-hmm. keep using this friend this term, friend tour. Can you please explain what that means?
2: Absolutely. So a lot of times we can look at our peer groups and we look at our friends and we just look at them as friends, but I like to make sure I can look at them as my resources mm-hmm. because I'm their resource.
1: Right. And so a
2: friend, a friend tour is a merger between a friend and a mentor. Kev, mm-hmm. so you're a friend tour to me. You have some great things about you that you do. Some of the things that we do may be similar, but there's lots of things that we do that are not. Mm-hmm. Everyone's relationship is a Venn diagram with a whole lot of space that doesn't meet in the middle. Right. And with that, it's a matter of tapping into your greatness and you tapping into my greatness. So collectively we can be even greater together. So utilizing friends as friend tours and making sure that we're loving each other's greatness for the betterment of all of us is exactly what we all need to do.
0: Wow. Okay. Now thank you for, for clearing that up. Now, Sean, you went from teaching here in New York city. You got your master's here at city college where we're currently being broadcasted out of, um, and then you went on and moved back to the city of Detroit, your That's hometown, right. and you've been making right. a an amazing impact there. Can you talk to us a bit about the impact and the initiatives that you were a part of, even the positions that you've been a part of there in your hometown to make an impact?
2: Yeah, so, you know, I initially went back to law school, and I wanted to go to law school in order to get involved in government and also get involved um, as a business. I wanted to own my own businesses, so... Catholic Law School, I actually um, was a pro- appointed as the director of youth services uh, over the city of Detroit, mm-hmm. and where I had the fortunate ability to uh, galvanize $7 million and put 5,600 young people to work with an awesome team. And In addition to that, I was also um, over the President Barack Obama's My Brother's Keeper Initiative for the city of Detroit, where we linked a lot of initiatives together. Because a lot of people are doing multiple, uh, multiple things that are creating impact or similar things that are creating impact, but we need to make sure that we link together to make a more, um, just, a, just a stronger stream of impact, because so many things are disjointed in the system of people all doing work. Mm-hmm. We have to come together and make sure that we're communicating with one another to make a mightier blow. So doing some work with that as well. In addition to that, um, started a company, that was a fitness company, where we do this event called Run This Town. Yeah. And we would have up to anywhere from 200 to 500 people working out on the riverfront in Detroit. And it was really great for the community and a lot of what we like to call networking out. And so, just beautiful doing that as well. In addition to that, um, just on a lot of boards for the city, mm-hmm. um, elementary soccer leagues, uh, you know, it's, man, I, could, I feel like I can just verbally just Keep going and just doing all this stuff. (laughs) Gotcha. I mean, that's that's what I'm here for. But yeah, and then of course publishing companies and Mm -hmm. custom suit companies. Man, so the the list just keeps
0: going. Right. So Sean, you did that, and you worked on you worked in the mayor's office, and you had these initiatives. Of course, I love to run this town. I love that idea that you're getting these 200 to 500 people out there moving and networking and building upon themselves. Um, But most recently. You know one of your bigger big initiatives have you know you're now the CEO of Lions Dream Publishing and Productions, which is your your company uh, definitely an author out on the how about that tour which you're going through multiple cities and giving um, advice because you're a mentorship specialist especially having brought this young man from where he was you know to now is he has he graduated from uh, from University of Michigan yet?
2: No, he actually went to Morehouse, and he came back to Michigan after his first year. Mm -hmm. And he's still in school right now, and he's working as well. So he's just chugging away, man, doing what he has to do to make sure that he can find his spot in life. And this is something I'll say about mentorship, which is Mm -hmm. interesting. It's not about creating rock stars. It's about making people better than what they would have been without you. Right. So a lot of times people can go into it and say, oh, like, you know, I'm mentoring these young people, and they're becoming the next Bill Gates, this and that. But essentially what you really want them to do is to break their identity and to be able to understand who they are before that the city to keep them moving.
0: Yeah. You know, the, mm-hmm. it's interesting that you said I have this quote that I made up. It says, uh, success is determined by the dreamer and achieved with guidance. Mm-hmm. You know, because, like yeah, it, it's always, you know, the, what's going to be success to us is always going to be whatever that thing is. If you, you know, if you want to be an engineer, that's fine. If you want to be a trash man or a trash woman, that's fine. You know, but we just have to help you get there and make sure that you are being your best. And like I was saying earlier, you, you're CEO of Lion's Dreams, publishing and productions. You're author. You're doing this book tour. You're also, you know, co-owner of Snap Suits. Dude, how do you manage to do it all without spreading yourself so thin?
2: You know what? And that's still... So one thing I'll say is, man, I'm, I'm. it's all a learning process and it's all a growing process. And... I think you have a lot of successes and you get a lot of lessons in the process of doing these things. So, But one thing that, that I've learned just through going throughout all of it, two things. One, I go into everything with a team. I don't do anything as an individual.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: so that way I'm able to do something, put it on autopilot, lean on my team, We lean on one another. We all work in excellence and we execute. And that's what it's all about um, from one perspective. The other thing is, it's about doing multiple things, but not necessarily doing all of them at the same time. So mm-hmm. I can, you know, I'll teach at the University of Michigan and then have this company and then have that company speaking in the bookstore and this and that. And it's like, dude, you do everything. I don't do everything all at once.
1: Right.
2: It's not a matter of if. It's simply a matter of when we get these things done and then how we can put things on autopilot because they have a team and we automate something so that we can continue to focus on beating down our craft. So... One thing that I, I like to do is to make sure, in everything I do, I lean on my expertise and I don't move outside of my lane. Okay. So if I'm actually doing a book, this book is about, of course, it's about my memoir, but it's about mentorship. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing custom suits. I'm the philanthropy advisor, meaning that every time I speak, I should give a custom suit to someone. So it's a matter of oh okay, so you're still doing what you're doing, that's right, so when I'm out talking to young people, I'm making sure I can give them a custom suit with their name in it, and so it's a matter of continually doing the same thing, just doing it in different forms so that I'm continually extending and expanding uh, my expertise.
0: Sean, what solidified you in understanding that this was your lane that this was like that mentorship was the spot in the area for you and to be so laser focused that you know that you're tying it into everything that you're doing.
2: Yeah. And I think that, um, I think it's all about our curiosity can drive our passion. So it's a matter of when we figure out that thing that we were really curious about, we can arrive at exactly what we, um, our purpose to do. So I've always been teetering around my younger brother and him mentoring me and this champion and always knowing that in my life it's something that I didn't even choose who It was chose for me. It's like God continued to merge me towards this concept until I put a name on it. It's just something that kept happening. And then when I step back and look at what has been happening over and over in life, what have I been consistently revisiting? And that concept of mentorship is what's been done for me, what I've done for others, and what I help other people do for others as well. And it's what I love. And it's what I get up and what I'll do for free, which I have done for free for years, right. but now I'll go ahead and monetize it because they'll think that it's something that if this is something that's your expertise and this is your passion, people should definitely pay for it in some form or another fashion.
0: Okay. So what tools do you use to measure the results of your efforts, if any?
2: You know what? and I think that some things that I do is it can be a matter of it depends on which realm. So I think data really drives are um, impacting everything that we do. So if it's a matter of a book sale or a matter of GPAs or a matter of customer reviews mm-hmm. or a matter of it's so it's so many different ways when it comes down to it all. But I think that feedback that I get uh, from the people that are partaking in anything that I'm doing, whether it's with fitness and there's multiple people who have lost uh, 10, 15, 20, up to 50 pounds with me. Okay. I understand that. Things are moving and grooving. If it's a matter of mentorship with people in high school and we look at their attendance and we look at the GPAs, we understand, okay, we're moving and grooving. Everything has its own set of data, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's what I like to do is uh, really chart out that data and see what's going on with that.
0: Because you are a mathematician at the end of the day as well, right? (laughs)
2: absolutely it goes back to the numbers
0: man it all goes back to the numbers i love it sean you've you've held uh you know you served in high community uh, positions like liaison to the um my brother's keeper initiative and things like that and you've done had all these accomplishments in your life however you still have always been a very humble and uh nice person nice brother i like to say uh how do you maintain that sense of humility about yourself
2: Man, what drives that? i tell you, I think humility is almost everything, man. Um, I've been able to maintain it because it's my truth. I think that I'm also around a lot of people who are a whole lot smarter than me and who are doing things that far outweigh the, the impact and, and everything else that I'm doing. I'm just around people that are doing more. So just understand that I have so much more work to do in life. If I was to look at this moment in time and say that, yeah, I should vote on this or look at that. I would mm-hmm. be doing myself and everyone else that I want to impact a disservice.
1: Mm.
0: Sean, what is your definition of success?
2: Man, happiness. I think that at the end of the day, success is when you arrive, when you wake up, and you feel great about the fact that you're alive.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, there's so many times that people can live in a depressed state
1: mm-hmm.
2: that I think that you know, no matter what, we can just live complete happiness. There's this uh, story that i like to tell about this guy who was actually, he was in Mexico and this guy was an investment banker He's making seven figures, he worked like 80 hours a week and he just was taking a break one week out of the year and while he was down there he saw this guy and he was fishing and he talked to him and he said, yeah, you know, you're fishing you're doing things, what else are you doing? He said, oh after I go fish, I'm going to eat with my family, I'm going to go play cards with my friends. And then I'm going to enjoy the sun and probably drink a little bit. Then we're going to go to sleep and wake up and do it again. And he says, oh, man, but if you like fishing the way you fish, you're fishing well. You can start a business and do this and that. You can grow it and do this and that. You can make all this money, and then you begin to go ahead and take vacations. And when you take vacations, then you can go fish and feed your family and then drink with your friends, play cards, and wake up and do it all again. And he said, hey, man, I do that already. Right. So life is a vacation. At the, end of the, <laughs> at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're on Wall Street or you're a guy that's fishing. Um, at the end of the day, when you wake up and you're happy, that's what you are. That's mm. success.
0: Right. So, do you feel like you've accomplished some levels of success or success?
2: My, I wake up and I'm not happy enough. I'm happy, but I have so many more milestones that I want to hit. I've definitely seen some successes, mm-hmm. but. Um, it's not i I can't get out of here until I make all of my with and grandchildren proud
0: right, and how, you have a significant number of nieces and nephews what, how what's that number?
2: It's over fifty man I have over fifty nieces and nephews
0: right, and you are the the role model and mentor model uh for them.
2: They are lucky to and have I'm, you man and I'm excited to be that i do have i do have a couple uh some a few siblings that are are doing of phenomenal things that I'm proud of okay. um, but yeah I definitely serve as one of the, the number one models for them
0: that's amazing man Sean what's your favorite quote
2: Confucius says he who says he can and he who says he can't are both usually correct mm. why why is that my favorite quote absolutely because it checks me to make sure I'm saying the right affirmations and the right words about who Sean is every day I wake up so I can feel happiness, so I can strive towards that success that we just talked about.
0: Mm. Wow. Sean, how? No. what three things would you tell someone looking to create their best life?
2: Man, one thing is, I would say, number one, you're the CEO of your life. And you need to gather three things. You need to gather your mentors, tours, and resources. Those are your honorable employees. Put them to work.
0: Wow. I mean, you broke that down real easy, man. <laughs> 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 so Sean, you, you're on the, the, how about that tour right now? Um, where are some of the next locations for you? And the, how about tour is a, is your book tour, but also your book and speaking tour, correct?
2: That's right. Yeah. So, um, it's actually, uh, I'm actually doing my audio book right now in Atlanta. I'm really excited about that. And my last, uh, my next stop on the tour is actually in Miami, which is next Saturday. I have an event that I'm doing with Alonzo Mourning and the foundation that he worked with called the Overtime Youth Center. And it's going to be great down there. I'm going to be able to speak some life into some people down in Miami. And I'm going to also be able to provide 10 young men at the event with custom suits.
0: Wow. That's amazing, and that's from your your custom suit company uh, Snap suits, correct? That's right, okay, so Sean, man, please uh, tell our listeners the Create your Life family how they can either get a snap suit and keep up with you, social media, your website, everything, man. Let us know so that we can you know get you some sales and support you and your movement to make sure that people maximize their potential and results.
2: Absolutely, so first and foremost, you can definitely follow me on Instagram. Um, my name is Sean T. Blanchard there. And Sean with a W. You can find me on Facebook at Sean Blanchard as well. And also on Twitter as well, SeanTB. My website is IamSeanBlanchard.com. You can even apply right now for a scholarship that I give out, a $500 scholarship every 1st and 15th. I still have one more 1st and more 15th that I'll be giving it out. But uh, any college student or high school senior can actually apply for it. Make sure you do so. And in addition to that, um, Snapsuits um, That's the website Snapsuits.com mm-hmm. And you can even use A discount
0: code With this Sean With the W 10 uh, T-E-N For a $10 discount On a custom suit Okay Wow man I think I might need To give me a snap Suit. You know I, I need some Midnight blue uh, shawl collar And I need a scoop vest Brother
1: Oh yeah Two we'll buttons
0: Sean man Thank you so much For being a guest On the Create Your Life series Man I really appreciate Your time And you know Your honesty And transparency about your journey. Yeah, man.
2: That's what it's all about, good brother. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Thank you very much for having me. We
0: just had Sean T Blanchard on the line and he is the CEO of Lions Dreams uh publishing and productions and also the co-owner of Snap Suits and he gave us a lot of uh game. He also has a book out called How About That for a Crack Baby. Definitely make sure that you uh, pick up a copy of his book and also that you go and see him on the How About That tour which is uh his speaking in our book tour and his next location that it will be at is actually in Miami, Florida. While Sean was on the show, we had the opportunity to really, really get some gems from him. And so, as you know, in our recap, God bless you with what it is that this man said. He said that he gave us three different streams that we need to have. You know, it's always important for us to have multiple streams of things in our lives. But he said a person should have multiple streams of income, motivation and impact I thought that that was classic. Then he said, also, pay attention to what it is that you're consuming. And he said, what are you reading? What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? And also, who is your social group to be aware of your surroundings in order to make sure that you make maximum impact in your life and that you are able to create the life that you want? Then our last question, you know, that question that we always have to ask somebody is, what three things would you tell someone to create their best life? And Sean's response was? To make sure that you have mentors, friend who are friends that are also mentors, because as we know, iron sharpens iron. And if you're not sharpening, you're rusting. And then he also says, and your resources. So mentorship, friend and maximize your re- resources. Those three things, in Sean T. Blanchard's opinion, will be the things that help you create your best life. So beautiful people, it's been amazing. We'll talk to you. Beautiful people, if you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on createyourlifeseries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram, at Series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed, and we'll see you back here live next week.
1: You create your life. Create propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. your life.
0: You better create your life
1: create your life
0: great love you.
1: create your life
0: create your life